0: Welcome back to the monitor sports podcast. Eric Rinsenlobel here with Dana Torrey and at least in the monitor sports coverage area, the fall season is over. We crowned a boy soccer champion Friday night, Bo Falcons taking down number one, Lebanon for Bo's first boys soccer titles since moving up to division two. We also had two co Brown teams competing in championships, volleyball, losing to oyster river on Saturday and girls soccer losing to Hollis Brookline on Sunday. We will chat about all of that uh, on the show today as we wrap up the season Um, and a crazy two weeks of playoffs, Dan, where we had uh, a ton of teams not only qualify but make deep runs. Uh, That was true no more prominently than in girls soccer, which we've talked about the last two months on the podcast, how deep it is. Uh, let's start with this championship game on Sunday. co Brown, the three seed loss to top seeded Hollis Brookline, two to one. It was the Bears first ever championship game appearance, um, but they were not able to take home the title to finish the season at 14, four and one. Uh, but it's always a cool story when we get to see some of these schools that, or at least programs at schools that have not made I have not been in these situations before get to experience all that, you know, comes with being in a championship game. And, you know, for Cole Brown, uh, they knew that Hollis Brookline was going to be a tough battle. Hollis Brookline didn't lose all season. They allowed now four goals. The, the, the one goal they allowed early in the game on Sunday was just the fourth. They allowed in 19 games this year. So they knew they were going up against a juggernaut, but Bo had pushed Hollis earlier in the week. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but, Dan, just not quite enough uh, juice to get over the finish line.
1: Uh, no, but still a great season for Co-Brown. Um, They've been competitive for a while. Usually, I'd say maybe like a quarterfinal team like pretty good like going to make the the playoffs most years um but just really turned the corner this season um and coach hills has done a lot with that program and and really beat a lot of very you know powerful teams on the way to get there um milford is kind of a perennial you know top five team in in division two um beating Pembroke that's had a couple trips to the championship in a row so um Cobrown Brown really beat a lot of very strong teams um <clears throat> to get to to get to the championship so a good season for the Bears
0: and something that head coach Josh Hills mentioned after the game was just how you know the senior class they had this year had been very impactful and setting the tone for this group. And you hear that a lot. And and that tends to be what differentiates teams that make deep playoff runs and teams that don't make the playoffs is what does their senior leadership like? What is, what is the experience level like on their roster? And it seems like Cole Brown had a lot of things working in its favor throughout the season. Uh, But again, the bears, the runner, the runner up team in division two girls soccer finishing 14, 4, and 1. That so that was a championship game. We'll backtrack a little bit, talk about a couple of the other teams that lost in semifinals. I mentioned Bo, the five seed, lost to Hollis, one nothing in penalty kicks in that semifinal that was played on Thursday last week. So Bo losing in the semis for the second year in a row, finishing the year at fourteen. Uh, excuse me, at 12, 4, and 2. Um, they lost in PKs 3-0, But it seemed like, uh, you know, being there that they basically played the game out the way you want to play against a team that's allowed at that point three goals all season. I mean, the, uh, the first half, the Falcons were playing defense a lot. They did not have a lot of possession. In the second half, they started to generate some more offensive chances. And, you know, I think, Dan, when you look at how this game panned out, when you do everything you possibly can against a team that good, that's all you can really ask for. And it seemed like Jay Volt, the head coach, was pretty pleased with how his team executed the game plan. And at the end of the day, that's all you can really do when you're in a situation like this,
1: yeah. there's nothing to be ashamed of. You're taking a team the penalty kicks. It's you know, it's a hard way to lose, but i've I've come around on on penalty kicks, um, especially after watching the Bow boys semi-final where if you're playing for hundred and ten minutes and you can't decide it, you've got to end the game somehow. Otherwise it's going to be decided by a you know a miss kick or you know someone slipping on the turf or kind of an ugly way to to finish it. So as hard as it is, I mean as a spectator, it's really fun. Um, but as hard as it is, I think as a player to lose on on penalties, I think it's at least a more, you know, fair I guess you could say I think it's a better way to to lose a game than have it be in kind of a a fluky thing in the run of play because you're tired from playing 110 minutes of soccer in the in the freezing cold um but I don't think there's you know, but other than, you know, penalties here and there, what, there's nothing else that, you know, Bo could have done any better to to um, hang in there with Hulse Brookline. So uh, a very good, a very good season for them. And I will say that uh, I appreciated
0: the penalty kicks. My toes appreciated the penalty kicks. My fingers appreciated the penalty kicks. And I think Chip Griffin, who was taking photos for us, would agree it was really cold there Thursday night. So
1: honestly, so I, I watched penalties from the live stream um thanks to the Exeter Blue Hawk media that had streamed it um on YouTube and it it looked absolutely miserable. Um It was chilly. It looked absolutely miserable. And then just seeing like some of the contact like play like it yeah, when the when the ball hits you at at speed when you're the ball is cold and you're cold like that hurts like it did not it did not look i mean and, and good for the bench players for staying on the bench and not running off to the bus that was i mean that was it, it did not look man i was happy to be home um in my sweat in my sweats seeing that that penalty kick shoot out um but yeah, I mean, it was a really, really good season for the Falcons. Fourteenth uh, year in a row that Bo has made the Final Four. Um, the majority of those years in Division Two. The year that Bo moved back up to D two escapes me, but most of those have been um, back in Division Two. So, I mean, really, they Bo has established itself as it has for you know two decades now as as one of the strongest programs in the state, um, and that certainly is not changing anytime soon. And, you know, I I think in a lot of ways, Bo outperformed where, you know, people thought they might've done, um, they lost, you know, a a division one athlete and, you know, another potential division one athlete in, in the La Pearl sisters, they lost a, a good, a very talented senior class, um, and I think you know Bo has a very deep bench. They always have, but it's a they had to completely adjust their their style of play. Um, you know, which I think is, you know, and even to me, that's the more impressive of of you know, Bo being able to make it this far is not just they had different players in there, but they're adapting how they how they had to play the game, um, and go much more of a possession style. Um and and you know, rely on more people to get there. Um, so overall, you know, good good season for the Falcons. You know, it's hard and when you lose to an undefeated team in penalty kicks, it's only allowed three goals to so that point. I, you know, what what can you do? You know? Certainly not not much else. And that was kind
0: of what Coach Vogt reiterated after the loss. Uh, and then the third of the four uh final four teams from the area in girls' soccer, Pembroke, the seventh seed. Lost to Cobrown in the semifinal, two 0 That game was scoreless until six twenty three left in the second half, uh, when Cobrown scored once, and then the Bears added another goal pretty soon after that. Um, so Pembroke finishes the year eleven and eight. We we talked about this team uh, at length on last week's podcast uh, when I also spoke with their head coach Jess Coffin derochers about. They were just coming off of their win against Merrimack Valley at that point. Uh, so you can definitely check that out if, if you want to hear more. Um, but this was a team that had a lot of ups and downs this year, wasn't, you know, lost far more games. I think they lost twice all of last year, uh, losing four times as many games this year. So uh, they certainly had more obstacles to overcome, some injuries, some more inexperience, um, and obviously tough to come up short in the semifinals like they did. But still, uh, Dan, just getting there, beating a team like Merrimack Valley that had such a great season, uh, doesn't take away, you know, losing that game uh, Thursday, doesn't take away from what Pembroke was able to do, even though it may have been a little bit more difficult than they were used to.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, it, Pembroke, I remember there was one week, I, I forget what week it was. We were doing this podcast and we're looking at the standings and Pembroke was 14th in the table of 17 teams. There were three from the bottom. And not only did Pembroke get into the playoffs, they hosted a playoff game they beat defending champions Pelham in that in that game um took down Merrimack Valley number 2 seed that was playing very well who had previously beaten Pembroke twice um and then were you know 6 minutes and 23 seconds away from forcing you know some kind of you know overtime or penalty kicks or something so i, I mean i think it was a really strong season um you know, for for Pembroke in the end. Um, I think they had, you know, some key players come back um at, at the end of the the season that helped them out. Um Layla Al Shawafi, the goalie, who was, you know, routinely making eight, 10, 15 saves a game, you know, to keep to keep Pembroke. Um and it not her preferred position i heard i heard a a field player with with clubs so you know her secondary position um you know it's pretty is pretty remarkable um but you know i think pembroke definitely established that you know the spartans belong in that you know upper echelon of of teams and and they're a really good program um and you know now they're going to come back a year I don't remember offhand how many seniors they're losing. I think they had a you know fairly certainly a younger, less experienced team than they're used to. Um, but now all those players are coming back um, and and hopefully with a little bit of confidence after the the run they had at the end of the season.
0: So that is all the action from Division two. also wanted to touch on the division three team that we had make the final four that was Hopkinson three seed. The Hawks lost to number two Guilford in the D3 semis, uh, 1-0 at Manchester Memorial on Wednesday last week. Uh, So Hopkinton finishes the year 14-3-2. And and all three losses came to Guilford. So Hopkinton found a way to beat or draw against everybody except Guilford losing three times to uh, a very good team. And that was just one of those games, Dan, where copkinton made a mistake early gave up a goal and then you kind of knew it was going to be an uphill battle for them to 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 tie it up but um they did make a push late had a couple of shots on goal that just went wide uh, a couple of corners uh, but just could not find the equalizer and and had their season come to an end but again you know as uh, head coach mike zahn said after the game you know, any, he, he thought any of the four final four teams could win the championship this year. I mean, that's how, how evenly matched all they, all of them were. And the one mm-hmm. nothing score in that game certainly validates that. So again, not the preferred result, but still a really great season for a school that we talk about all the time, not very big, but seemingly churns out really good athletes year after year.
1: Yeah. And Hopkinson also, I mean, not that last year was an off year, but Hopkinton had won four consecutive championships and then last season were eliminated in the quarterfinals, I believe. So, uh, I mean, it's so an, an off year in that regard, even though you're making the final eight, you know, that's still pretty darn good. Um, But, you know, to continue to, you know, rebuild, if you will, and, and be, you know, so close to being, in um, another championship game again uh, is, is really remarkable. And I think speaks to just the infrastructure around the sport in Hopkinton and everything coaches on and the players were were able to do. Um, yeah. Great season for the Hawks. So that's girls soccer again, Hopkinton finishes the year
0: 14, three and two and boys soccer, the one sport that we crowned a champion in, in our area th- this weekend or Last few days was Bo, the boys' soccer team beating number one Lebanon two to one in an exciting game on Friday in Nashua. Again, Bo's first championship since moving up to Division Two. And cool story also because head coach Josh Smith in his first year at Bo wins a championship. Not something that is easy to do. Falcons finished the year 17-1 one and, and one. So um, you know, we didn't talk about this. Hmm team as much as some of the other good teams in the area um, during the regular season. But, you know, this is a group that from talking to some of the players afterwards, like they came into this season believing they could compete for a championship. Something that uh, senior Colby Smith said to me after the game Friday was that they actually had a, a whiteboard or a big sheet of paper of goals for the season and at the top of it in all caps before the year started, they wrote win a championship. So this was something they had on their mind from the beginning. Lots of high school teams will say it. It's nothing to do it, especially again when you have a first-year coach coming in. And mm-hmm. I think something that Josh Smith said to me at the beginning of the season when we did the season preview. Um, and I had this in my story on Friday. He his I asked him, like, you know, what he's been doing to try to, you know, make sure he's connecting with the players and getting to buy into his vision. And he said, like, he's been working constantly on, on meeting with the kids and getting to know them and them getting to know him. And I, I think that's something that gets very underappreciated, especially at high school athletics, Is is how far having a coach who can connect with the players goes in having success. Yes, you need to have talent. Yes, you have to have kids that, you know, are showing up every day motivated, but to see what Josh Smith did with Bo is impressive, Dan, and, and, and that he comes in one year and, and wins a championship.
1: I I agree. I agree completely. Um, what really, um, struck me from, uh, covering Bow in the semifinal victory over Kingswood, um, on penalty kicks, scoreless theory, uh, regulation, three to one in PKs, uh, goalkeeper Aaron Barrio with a couple of huge saves, um, where, uh, Chip Griffin photos by Chip had a, he got a great photo of the game winning save. So definitely, uh, if you're listening, you should purchase a lot of Chip stuff. It's, it's really good. Um, But what I was really impressed by at the end of the the game when I was talking to Coach Smith was, um, you know, Kingswood has one player who is very very. I mean, they have a lot of good players, but they have one player who's especially good, Dominic Alberto, and a lot of the offense goes through him. He has twenty something goals this season. He's their guy who they they kind of run everything through. And they were able to to shut him down. And when I asked coach Smith about that, what he had said, which the more I thought about it, I thought that's kind of genius was they, he said, they, they talked about it as a team and they said like, we're not going to man mark this guy. You know, we're just going to trust whoever, whoever is near, whoever's around is going to step up in the moment that they need to. And, you know, he, he played up and down both flanks at different points, but um, Brody O'Neill, the center back did a great job on him uh, was Michaels and Eli Berrigan on the wings did a great job, Um, you know, points where they were just come flying in to knock the ball away when, when he was moving, making a run down the field. So I thought that was uh, really smart Um, to have, you know, you're not putting the pressure on, you know, one kid, um, you know, to, to, win this matchup that i think maybe you see in soccer or you know basketball a lot of coaches say well you know this is their star player and we've got our star player on them and it's you know this is how well can that person contain them um but i think to take that you know group approach um you know and and just the trust that they all had with one another i thought was very very cool to see and i i think it you know it it, it it sounds good but it also worked like they you know it it worked and and they have a championship because of it so I was very impressed um I know there were former Conval players who are at the game as well um at the championship game which is um which is pretty darn cool I think that says a lot about coach Smith and coach Smith did not I don't believe he coached last season so he was at so in 2018 and 2019 back to back championships with Conval, and then another one this year. And then if he took a year off in between, that's that's three championships in five years. You know, that's that's not an accident, you know, that, that's not a coincidence. That's a pattern, you know. That's so I think he he knows the stuff. And uh and just to see the you know, the both senior class, the the seven of them who have who have stuck together and and played really well. I, I think that's a really cool thing also is you know, if Trying to, you know, who, with a lot of teams, if you ask who is this team's best player, I think it's pretty easy to do. I think you can't necessarily pick Bo apart that way um, because they they had a lot of different, you know, players step up in, in moments. So that was really cool to see how much, you know, the whole team really bought into what they were trying to do.
0: So Bo wins the Boys Soccer Division two Championship. Hopkinton boys in division three, not as fortunate. The four seed played a thrilling game against number one Campbell last Monday in Laconia lost four, three in penalty kicks. That was a common theme. If you haven't noticed lots of games that went to PKs. Um, And that was a game where it started out. Campbell, the one seed takes a one, nothing lead early. You're thinking, all right, this could be tough night for Hopkinton. Before you know it, the Hawks score two goals in like two minutes One was off a throw and the other one was off a corner. Um, Then Campbell took a 3-2 lead into halftime. And then Hopkinton scored um, after a controversial no-call where one of the Campbell players appeared to bat the ball out of the net with their arm, which obviously is not allowed, but the referees did not blow it dead. So um, Hopkinton did tie it up after that at three. And then nobody scored for the next 55 minutes, including two 15-in overtime periods, and then uh, the Hawks ultimately lost in penalty kicks three to one. But uh, uh, Hopkinton, Dan, a team that, you know, we we talked about a little bit previously how the, the Hawks did not have a very good year last year. They were under 500. I think they won five or six games lost in the first round of the playoffs, but to turn around this year and get to the semifinals, uh, they finished year 15 and four. They were 12 and one at one point in the season a great season for Scott Zipke. And I remember I covered their game against Bishop Brady pretty early on and they got off to a good start, but it was still early. And he had said like, we have a lot of players that are newer to varsity. They haven't played a ton for me. So I'm not really sure what this is going to look like, but what it looked like ended up being pretty good. You get to the semifinals. He was nothing but pleased with how they played against Campbell, a really tough team. And again, that's all you can really ask for at this point in the season is players playing to their potential and leaving it all out on the field.
1: Yeah, I mean, so their official record from last season five ten and two, uh, losing in the prelims. They tripled their win total in one season with players where, as you said, Coach Zuppi didn't necessarily know what to expect. Um, so that's really cool to see the Hawks uh, be be back to where we're we're used to seeing them. Uh, with a new new group of players, is pretty cool.
0: So Hopkinton again, another always a always usually a good story. I mean, we we talked about in the spring about their lacrosse programs and how you know they're the smallest public school in the state that has lacrosse and they're not they don't just have it, they win championships in in lacrosse. Um and we, we see it here with soccer too. I mean, the boys and girls both really great seasons making it to the semifinals in their in their divisions. Um, so you know, another good season for uh, the boys program that comes to a disappointing end. In volleyball, another a, a disappointing end as well for Cole Brown, the two seed, uh, which lost to top seed Oyster River in five sets. Um, Bears finished the year now 15 and four. And, you know, I've, been to maybe fewer volleyball matches than i've been to soccer and football games in my time at the monitor but this was one of the more if not the most exciting volleyball match i've been to um i mean it was you have two teams that are just naturally rivals cobrown oyster river not that far from each other they had played twice during the season already oyster river won the matches three to one and three nothings so they weren't very close oyster river had also only lost i think four sets all season um, and to see Cole Brown take them to five was impressive. The first set was back and forth. Um, Cole Brown lost that set 25-23, bounced back, won the second set 25-17, lost set 3-25-15, won set 4-25-23, and then lost the fifth set 15-8. to The fifth set only goes 2-15. Um, but, you know, uh, Cole Brown's had a, had a challenging year. Um, They've dealt with some off the court issues that, you know, it, the, their record may not show it, but, you know, Renee Zobel, who's the head coach is pretty, you know, uh, even keeled, uh, you know, has very reasonable expectations for the players. Usually does a great job of, you know, coaching them. And, and she did a a really great job with this group. And she got a little bit emotional after the game on Saturday because, um I had asked her about, you know what what she hoped the players learned from this experience of it not being a smooth ride to get to where they were. and and she highlighted how it, it she hopes that they learned that, you know, there is value in learning how to overcome adverse situations. And you hear the word adversity used and overused, especially when it comes to athletics. But I think especially for high school kids, learning that then is very valuable. And yeah, I obviously don't want any kids to go through really harmful circumstances or, or things that really damage their mental or physical health. But, you know, having these challenges pop up and then see how you can work to overcome them is, is really valuable. And you know, Coe Brown would have loved to have won the title, but something that stood out to me was how, you know, usually when when you're at these games, they, they they give a plaque to the runner-up as well, in addition to the champion. And usually the player grabs the captain, grabs the plaque, puts it down next to them, and that's it. When uh, one of the Coe Brown captains, Haley Camo got the plaque for Coe Brown, she hoisted it above her head and, and raised it toward the fans and i think that was a good indicator of it mattered to them to get to the championship game this year sometimes teams like that we wanted to win it and i'm sure they did too but there was real value for them to see that they could still you know get there given the the, the difficulties they had to deal with
1: yeah i mean co-brown just always had a very <clears throat> special program and uh i'm glad I do comment it on, uh, just the excitement level. Cause I, I remember I, at the championship game last year, I took pictures of the co fan section. It was, it was nuts. It was, <clears throat> you know, better than a lot of, you know, student sections I've seen at football games. It's, it's pretty cool to see how they get behind the program over there. Um, but yeah, uh Co Brown, you know, has had a, they've had a good string of seasons. Um, definitely a more challenging one this year, like you said. Um, <clears throat> but they've got that really, you know, neat <laughs> rivalry with with Oyster River. Um last year also, uh last year's championship also decided in five sets. Um Oyster River narrowly coming out on top. Um so, you know, not the ending that, that co-brown wanted, um, but, but definitely to see that reaction to getting, you know, the, the runner up plaque, um, you know, we've both seen instances uh, where that's not the case, um, but to see them, you know, really appreciate the process. Um, something that we, you know, we've, we've, that's kind of become the new overcoming adversity. I feel like, as I hear a lot more of like trusting the process and the more with from coaches and athletes now and uh, but to see them really get a lot out of that process is is pretty cool so cole brown the last uh, volleyball team
0: remaining in the area going down in the championship to oyster river we also had three area teams participating in football playoffs unfortunately all three lost uh, dan you were at a couple of them uh, for yes. Friday. Bo, the 60 seed losing to Sauhegan, the three seed fifty-four to six in the D two quarterfinals.
1: Yes. So while the Bo boys soccer team was winning the the championship, Bo uh, football was at Sauhegan, not doing that. Um it, like it was always going to be a really tall order for anyone to beat Sauhegan. They're very very good. They're only the number 3 seed because the top 2 seeds automatically go to the East and West conference winners. Uh <clears throat> even though I think, you know, Sauhegan really could be a number number 2 team. Um they have the the leading rusher in the division, uh JJ Bright, um, Bo has a very very young team, so Bo was going to need a perfect game, and Sauhegan was going to have to make some mistakes, um, and they really didn't make any. They forced Bo to go three and out on the first possession of the game. Sauhegan's first play from scrimmage, JJ Bright scores a forty eight yard touchdown run, um, and that really set the tone, and and that you know, took it, took it from there. Um, I had JJ bright at 156 yards, three touchdowns on just six carries. So he had that, he had a 91 yard, uh, touchdown run in there as well. Um, so quarterback also had a very good game throwing for over hundred yards and a touchdown. Um, and just, you know, Bose. Ground game did a did a decent job, you know, moving the ball. Bo was able to get a good amount of first downs, Um, but ultimately, you know, Bo had had three turnovers, um, uh, a interception, and a couple of fumbles, and then uh, several penalties ultimately. Um, did the Falcons in. So, so not the way that they wanted to end the season, but I think losing the senior class that they did 15 seniors, nine all state players from the 2022 edition um, of the Falcons, basically overhauled their entire starting lineup in all three phases of the game. Um, you know, I think really to get where they are, what was impressive and Bo they've got a lot of, you know, their starting quarterback is a junior. Um, you know, they had senior Gavin McCabe and Josiah Funches take a lot of the carries, but you know, their lead back is a sophomore. Um, they had an uh, Caleb Schumacher, Miles Miller is a sophomore. So they have a lot of young players, they have a lot of young players on the line. Um, and in the backfield as well. And, and we did see their JV players get some varsity minutes, um, in some of the, the games that Bo played. So I think Bo's, Bo football's future is very bright. I think they're a contender, um, in a couple of years, if not next year, um, just given the, the contributions they had from so many of their young players. Um, so that one, uh, you know, fairly lopsided, um, Saturday, I was in Plymouth to see John Stark, number seven, John Stark Generals playing in their first playoff game since 2018. Um, and they were at number two Plymouth. Plymouth won 28 to 8. Um, but it was it was such a good game. I think it was much closer than the score. Um Indicated it, it really wasn't until the end where Plymouth was just able to wear them down and, and got a couple of touchdowns in the second half that really put the game out of reach. But what I thought was especially cool about John Stark was that, um, you know, they were last year and earlier this year, even, um, you know, they ran the ball a lot. You know, that's what they did, they did a lot of cool stuff with formations and, and, um, you know, different, different, you know, direct snaps and, and, you know, reverses in the backfield. It was all pretty cool, but really a running team um, that really had the ground and pound and, and they couldn't do much else. And then all of a sudden, you know, John Stark is a passing team, you know, quarterback, Blake Suckis, 10 for 14 um, I think 142 passing yards for him. Um, a passing touchdown for uh, their only uh, points of the game, a touchdown throw to Donnie White. So I, and I thought it was cool to see that that level of growth. And, and John Stark is a team I've probably seen pass maybe, you know, 10 times and and all the previous games i had seen them play and just to see how much they had progressed even in the last month um just with their knowledge of the game and just you know the the greater variety of things that they were doing on the field was very cool um so coach kershaw did a great job with that with that program um a a big senior class um, that john stark is is leave uh leaving as well but i think pieces in place to have another good string of years from that john stark program uh and not a game i was at in person but a game i did watch uh Remotely, thanks to uh, Berkeley Stevens, uh, him his he was calling the game for the local TV up there. Um, but Newport in the Division Four semifinals, only eight teams in Division Four, four teams make the playoffs. Um, but number one Newport with a thirty-five to seven win over Bishop Brady. Uh, Bishop Brady, I think, again kept it closer than the score indicated, but ultimately a lot of turnovers <clears throat> is what did them in. Uh, Eric, I have never seen this before, but Bishop Brady's Todd Shepard was their leading passer, rusher, and receiver, and had an interception on defense. Um, so I was very impressed with. With Todd Shepard, I noticed a lot of teams doing that this year. Where they would have a they would have a couple of quarterbacks, and and both would line up in the backfield, and sometimes one would line up as a receiver, because um, Bishop Brady's other um, quarterback, sophomore Ian Miller, also received uh, some passes and had a lot of rushes as well. So the two of them kind of went back and forth. Um, but that was pretty cool i had never seen that before one player leading passer rusher and receiver uh in, in the same in the same game um so again really hard to beat the number one seed um you know just the football infrastructure around newport is, is just different than it is at bishop brady where they're a very small very small school with a lot of different sports um but yeah so football um in, in the books, uh, definitely some cool stories. Really happy for John Stark to see all the progress that they've made. Um, a really exciting game against Plymouth. Um, just a battle in the trenches between those two. Two teams that like to pound the ball. And it was a pretty clean game. So it, it's, you know, I don't think, you know, n- neither team really made a lot of mistakes. It really just came down to, you know, Plymouth was just a little bit better. They got the first down. They had a goal line stand, um, you know, and, and little things like that that could have made the difference. So a really good weekend of football. Um, and Eric, you know, the only thing we have left for fall is we have New England's for cross country this Saturday, um, relatively quiet year. As far as area representation, the co-Brown boys finished third as a team at the meet of champions, um, which is the top, Run, uh, top teams and individual runners from all three NHIAA divisions, top 25 individuals, top six teams qualifying for New England's Co-Brown boys, the only team to make it through, finishing third. Uh, they were led by Jamie Lano, who was the Division Two individual champion. He finished seventh. Uh, and then teammate Sonny Namula finished ninth. Um. So Co-Brown uh, boys representing New Hampshire at New England's, uh, as is Hillsborough Deering's Elijah Bodanza. Uh, freshman uh, really came out of nowhere at the end of the season, but he finished 11th, will represent New Hampshire at New England's. Um, and then for the girls, Hopkinton's Maddie Lane finished 7th, and Keir Sarge's Molly Ellison finished 20th. They were the only two area, te- uh, area in qualifiers. From the girls side, the Concord girls finished seventh. Um, one spot out of qualifying for New England's was the top area girls team. Um Eric, that that does it. That's that's save for one team at at New England's for cross country. This is this is the fall season in the books.
0: It is, and it's been a very busy one. We appreciate everyone that stuck with us through all the coverage that we've uh, done our best to provide. Um, we'll do another podcast next week where Dan and I will break down the players of the season, that story on track for Sunday's paper. So certainly keep an eye out for that. Um, and again, lots of teams that made deep playoff runs, Bo, boys, soccer, the one winning a championship this past week. Um, so they've had a lot to celebrate for sure so that does it for games in the fall season for us to discuss again we'll be back next week with players of the season for Dana Torrey I'm Eric Rinson LaBelle thanks so much for joining us and we will talk to you soon